Welcome to the Holy Donors Podcast. Join Andrew, Matt, Ren, and me, Thaddeus, as every week we bring you inspiring stories of radical generosity that have changed the world. So, Andrew, you ready to get started? Can't wait. And we're back for another Holy Donors Rap Party with my two compadres, only two compadres today, Andrew Robinson and Matt Bond. How you guys doing? Hey, Thaddeus. I'm happy to be here talking about Margaret Howery, another holy donor, question mark? <laughs> Very good. Happy to be here as well. I think the question before us is, how are we got here? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Actually, that was pretty good because you probably came up with it right then. <laughs> um, yeah, Margaret Howery was, as far as I remember, a new find for all of us. Uh, I don't recall who brought her to the team and suggested her, but I, I know that whoever didn't bring her to the team, the other ones had never, you know, those people had never heard of her before. Shocker, right? If that makes sense. <laughs> we've never, it feels like every single season we've done, uh, at least majority of them, we all say, who was that person? Who is it? How do we find them? I know I personally have always had that same answer. I had no idea, especially all the Texas ones. And now we have one that's next door to Texas. And I still have no idea who they are or who they were. Not that other state that's next door to Texas that will remain (laughs) unnamed. New Mexico? Is that the one you're referring to? No, no. We don't need to talk about this other state. (laughs) Yeah. So we had another holy donor candidate who we took through. We gave her five episodes, and this was a 19th century woman uh, lived in the lived in the South, immigrant to the United States. She's got a lot of uh, holy donor kind of compatriots in that time period. You know, we've we've had several holy donors now that have fit this um, 19th century American, even South bill. Yeah, you know, like like Matt mentioned, it feels like they were all Irish Catholic immigrants. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder. I wonder why. I wonder why there would be so many Irish Catholic immigrants who, who are potential holy donors from the 19th century. Maybe it's because there was a huge influx of Irish Catholics uh, in the United States. There wasn't anything going on in Ireland during that time, right? No, no. That was the problem. There wasn't anything going on. There was no. There were no, there were no potatoes being harvested. That was the problem. So just initial recollections of why we decided to to choose Howery, why we decided to investigate her life. What was it that kind of intrigued us about her? Ren brought Margaret Howery to us. I don't remember how he found her, but I believe it was, he was just kind of remarking at the fact that this was a, a, what's the word for you can't read? Illiterate. Illiterate, yeah. Uh, an illiterate, what's the word that you can't think of words that, what what is that? (laughs) (laughs) She was an illiterate woman in the South who still built a empire of bread making of dairy um, empire, dairy empire, and all really designed to support the orphans of New Orleans. And, you know, she built that, built a reputation there. And I think he saw that and thought, you know, she was, her Catholic faith was very strong and thought, Gosh, who is this person we've never heard of? Let's uh, let's do some investigation. Yeah, and I think it came from a point where he was he was reading a book about our Catholic faith, and the name was kind of dropped in, and there was a few criteria that it checked off. I don't remember exactly what that was, but kind of gave the idea of maybe she was a holy donor. 
And if I remember, right, he shot it out to us via a text to say, Do you, does anybody know anything about her? We all didn't. And so he dove a little deeper and found out that she was this amazing Catholic philanthropist from New Orleans and, and uh, kind of jumped off the, the, off the diving board into the pool. And, and uh, that's where, where we kind of ended up here. Well, the people who've been listening this far to arrive at our rap party, um, they know Margaret's story pretty well. So why don't we dive into, speaking of diving, why don't we dive into uh, takeaways? Matt? Yeah, I'd love to. I think Margaret Howery, uh, she's another one of our, our donors that had this great entrepreneurial spirit, but she was a little different. It was almost like she was playing Monopoly. Remember, she 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 bought two cows in order to produce some milk to feed the the children in the orphanage, and then two cows. She sold what whatever was left over, and two cows turned into three, turned into a dozen, turned into enough to to be able to sell off and buy a bakery. You know, kind of the one of my favorite games growing up as a kid was Monopoly, where you you buy a piece of property, and then as you earn more money, you put a house on it, and then and then as you earn more money. You, one house turned into four houses, turned into a, a hotel. So, you know, from that clear cut kind of growth from an entrepreneurial spirit, I thought that was that was pretty cool to watch and how she used the fruit of that of that gift uh, or of those those initial two cows, how she used it to to feed the, the orphans, sell the rest and then whatever proceeds from that she was able to, you know, continue doing the good work. There was that. But then. Then there also was this side of her who was, she was a great philanthropist. I think she, of all the holy donors we've done so far, I think she embodies the the profession of a development professional more so than anybody else, yeah. where she would actually go out and solicit a gift. I think, again, trying to think of who else is, is out there that we've done, she is probably the top of the list who would mirror what a professional today would look like as a development professional. Yeah, she would, to piggyback on that, she would, uh, I remember in episode one or two, she uh, would take the orphans with her when she was out soliciting, you know, kind of leftover food for the orphans. When they needed a house, she went and found, wasn't Old Man Withers, Old Withers was the name of the house, but she found, she found the gentleman that had the house and took some orphans with her and made an offer that was, you know, mutually beneficial offer to fix up the house, but then also use it for the orphans. And just a very, I'm with you, Matt, she was an amazing fundraiser at that time and would have been would have been darn near unstoppable with today's resources and tools and missions. I hadn't made the monopoly connection, um, maybe because she didn't wear a top hat and you know, monocle, but uh, monocle, yep. uh, certainly, <laughs> certainly she was very savvy. You know, I had a couple of other words that came to mind as the season progressed and that she was fearless. Uh, you know, she was like uh, Catherine Drexel sta- uh, staring down the KKK. She was, she stared down the Union soldiers to just be able to, you know, give them food to eat. And she was determined. You know, she set a goal of providing food and milk and food for the orphans, and didn't let the fact that she had no resources stop her. She co-signed the the loan with father to buy the two cows, and then went from there. And she was gracious, very innovative. You know, in changing up the bakery. She used, uh, converted it to steam engine um, or steam powered uh, tools and smart. And, you know, at the kind of at the bottom of this is that she was unlearned herself. Uh, you know, she never learned to read and write. I, I think it was episode four when she signed a document there at the end of her life. She signed it with an X because she still didn't know how to write her name. And so 
you know, just very, somebody who didn't let any obstacle stand in our way, right? Nothing was, uh, it reminded me of Danny Thomas in that way. Nothing could be overcome. There was no lost causes. So I don't know. That was, that was my takeaway from this season. I also loved in episode four, how we somehow managed to make a connection to every 13 holy <laughs> season before <laughs> which was which was hilarious the babe ruth reference <laughs> was probably uh my favorite in there i loved it <laughs> it's hilarious yeah that was a lot of fun I, I remember us being quite intentional about um <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna make this happen we're gonna find come hell or high water we're gonna get all 13 of these references in there um, Wait, Daddy. So that, that was intentional. I thought. I thought we <laughs> sat down and uh, came up with a right, right on the spot. Is anything right. that it we was, do it was completely natural. <laughs> Every single reference was was perfectly just grew right out of the conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I guess it's my turn, right, to do some some takeaways. Yeah. First, uh, just looking back through the the scripts and, and some of the notes, I came across a great anecdote of hers about. You know, she was famous for giving away food to the poor and uh, orphans, especially if she gave somebody a loaf of bread and she suspected that they were going to turn around and, and try to sell it uh, for alcohol. She would cut it in half to make it uh, unsaleable. Uh, so she, you know, she wanted that. That's a great example of her, you know, no nonsense attitude and that and she was going to do things her way. But I think also it's a sense it shows that she had certain you know moral standards that she wanted people to live up to, and I think that's important anytime we're looking at at thinking about charity and thinking about helping our our fellow man. I think she's an example of she's a little bit of a difficult holy donor, right? Because and she's a she's a complicating one for the age in which we live this age of a concern for social justice and a society that's very upset for lack of a better word about the racial sins of this country's past. And we, we discussed that she lived in new Orleans and that she probably owned slaves or she probably used the, the labor of, of enslaved persons in the course of doing her philanthropic work and I, I just think it's she's a she's a good figure for us to look at as a society because she forces us to ask ourselves is her involvement with slavery and the fact that she may have owned slaves does that completely wipe away all the good that she did right. or is the good that she did philanthropically does that outweigh her uh, complicity with slavery, or is it just the fact that history is complicated? History is more complex than we want it to be, uh, and we have to we have to recognize that, just like in our own lives in our own day and age, that we are, you know, usually bundles of contradictions. We usually have aspects of our life that maybe we're not so proud of, or that we wish we weren't uh, associated with, even at the same time as we have. We try to do good. We try to do right. We try to live according to the truth, according to our moral principles. Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we're enmeshed in things and in systems that we don't have any control over, that we're powerless to do anything about. Uh, and we just have to make do the best we can. And sometimes I think we, we have a tendency to make 
we want people in the past to be more powerful about changing their circumstances than than we would expect of our own selves. Right. Um, so there, I don't know. There's a lot there as a historian for me to to think about with this lady. Yeah, I think she was a remarkable woman living in extraordinary times. You know, the, during the Civil War, during a lot of unrest in the country, certainly. And her f- singular focus, though, was if there are hungry children living in the streets of my city, I am going to find a way to feed them. And, you know, there's a lot that I think that we can take away from that just in our lives about if we see issues, our call as Catholics, as humans, as, uh, you know, Christian followers of God, help your fellow man and woman and child in need. And if you do that, then you will have lived a, a worthwhile life on this earth. Uh, and I think that, uh, you know, set an example that, who knows, maybe people are still telling your story 150 years later. Yeah, I agree. It's the it's the story of the haves and have nots. Those who have, it's easy, easy for those who have to not make eye contact, so to speak, with the have nots and to go on your way without helping those who need. And I think that's a great call from for us in our faith to help those who do not have. For sure. Yeah. And the, I think the last thing that I wanted to end on a much more maybe positive note was she's an example to me of just how it's amazing how many good people are out there mm, doing, yeah. doing good things, doing good works, who are trying to make the lives of their fellow man better. They're trying to improve the world around them in their little way. And it's, uh, it's inspiring and it's comforting when you have that realization because humanity's history is so marked with violence and suffering. Yeah, we need positive role models, positive stories of, of kindness and generosity. And I think that if we can focus our thoughts on, obviously, on, on Christ and on his word, and then how that is manifest in the lives of good people, that, that's a much better way to spend our, our time and energy than bemoaning the, the tragedies of today and tragedies of the past and wishing that we could do more but versus um, actually taking taking initiative and following in the examples of some of the people that have done more like Margaret Howery. Yeah. Or, or condemning the people of the past for not doing more, for not Mm, changing what and leaving us with certain legacies or uh, structures. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. This is a good season. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I think Howery was one of my favorite uh, of the unknowns that came out. She was surprising. She had some twists and turns that made for a great, a great season, a great story to be told. Yeah. Well, thanks guys. I uh, always enjoy this chance to look back on our holy donors, the ones that we knew about and came to know better and the ones that we had never encountered before and got to know for the first time. And uh, as always here at Holy Donors, we're we're doing this to encourage you to live, or at least contemplate living, a life of radical generosity, right? Absolutely, yeah. Now, we've got a pretty uh, amazing holy donor coming up in next season. Well, this person is not an unknown, right? You talked about learning about people. This is probably somebody that people have recognized. And two of his most famous quotes are, winning isn't everything, it's the only thing. And uh-huh. show me a good loser, and I'll show you a loser. 
So <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think, yeah, this is definitely in, uh, one of those for the holy donor question mark category where we are going to investigate the life and the legacy of coach Vince Lombardi, who most of our listeners have probably heard of. If you follow football, you know that the Super Bowl trophy that the winners of the Super Bowl are awarded every year is called the Vince Lombardi trophy. And Vince had a very colorful life. He was a, a football coach that took the Green Bay Packers to a dynasty. But what a lot of people maybe don't realize is that he grew up and for most of his young childhood, people called him Father Vince because of his commitment to the faith and his desire to be a Catholic priest. And so in the next season, we are going to dive into who Vince Lombardi is, what his faith was like, and investigate the question of was he humble, was he faithful, and was he radically generous? And ultimately, was he a holy donor? So I think this is going to be a good season. I did take the lead on the research of this. This was fun to record with you guys, though, and I think it'll be good for the listeners. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> good. <laughs> good. Well, on that note, we'll see you back next season. See you then. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Holy Donors. Brought to you by Petrus Development in cooperation with Red Sea Catholic Radio and Backrow Media. Theme music by Tommy Kibb, Third Top Productions. Graphics by 86 Creative. If you like us, leave us a review, share us with your friends, and check us out at holydonors.com and on Instagram at holydonors. Holy Donors, bringing you inspiring stories of radical generosity that have changed the world. <laughs>